I'm Chris Greenspawn. This is SGV Weekly. Recently, we've heard a lot about First Works Baptist Church in El Monte. And you want these sodomites ought to be afraid of what God is going to do to them for messing with the man of God! They went viral on social media on January 3rd when a petition asked the city to recognize First Works as an anti-LGBTQ hate group and remove them from the city. The mayor said they couldn't do anything unless members of the church committed a hate crime. How are residents in El Monte reacting to all of this? They plan to continue holding demonstrations like this one. On Sunday, January 17, Keep El Monte Friendly organized a car caravan, ending in a protest in front of the church. A second rally was planned for the next Sunday, but on Saturday the 23rd, an explosion went off inside First Works building. I heard a loud boom. Sound like a firework, but way louder. The FBI is calling it an IED, an improvised explosive device. Then the national outlets were all over it. The New York Times, CNN, USA Today. Now everyone knows who Bruce Mejia is and what he believes in, but we didn't really get to know who Keep El Monte Friendly was and what they lost in the bombing. Yeah, I guess just people being able to like say what they're feeling like right in front of the church just feels a lot more powerful and like they're being heard more. And you could, if you like look behind, you could just see like a whole bunch of line of cars. Like it was just crazy. So this time on the show, we've got a different kind of media roundup. We're talking to the people who took an active role fighting this privileged bigotry. We'll meet the protesters, talk to a newspaper columnist about taking a stance, and we'll get a historical perspective on the connection to the KKK from a scholar of hate groups. I'm Chris Greenspawn. It's SGV Weekly. Now for some local news. LA Taco reports the married couple of taqueros who were arrested by the El Monte police last Saturday are back on Valley Boulevard, hustling tacos. Fermin Martinez and Silvia Aguilar of Tacos Los Palomos were beaten and handcuffed by numerous officers on the sidewalk after allegedly kicking a health inspector. Onlookers pleaded with the cops to let the vendors go in this video posted by La Puente Eats. El Monte police say that Martinez went for an officer's taser, and a video shows Aguilar kicking at someone as she's dragged away in cuffs. Martinez told LA Taco that he and his wife have been arrested before for selling without a permit. El Monte police chief Reynoso says there will be an investigation. No body camera footage has been made public yet. The Press-Telegram reports, the villages at the Alhambra development has to get through an extra layer of scrutiny before city council might approve it. A two-member subcommittee will negotiate how many affordable units are included and how to prevent toxins from being released during construction. The project was proposed by the Ratkovich Company to sit at Fremont and Mission on land that's been contaminated since the 80s. Officials say it's not the city's fault, the businesses who caused the pollution no longer exist, and some of their owners are dead. But Alhambra is under a state mandate to build 6,800 units of housing. More than 50% of them have to be designated affordable. But only 10% of the village's 839 proposed units qualify as affordable for moderate income renters. A representative for Ratkovich said they'd have to increase the total number of units to make up for their lost profits from building more affordable units. And the Pasadena Star reports that Pasadena's elementary schools might be reopening soon. As of Monday, the city reported COVID cases have been down to 35 a day. 
Public Health Director Ying Ying Go says when the county gets its average down to 25 a day for every 100,000 residents, Pasadena's elementary system can resume in-person classes. But the current numbers in Pasadena are still higher than the summer surge, which had about 30 new cases a day. And that's some of this week's news around the 626. After the break, we won't hear from this guy. Throw me into the furnace, go ahead. And there won't be any thoughts or prayers either. We'll talk with people who actually have something to say against genocidal hate in the San Gabriel Valley. SGV Weekly is supported by Callback Yesterday, a new podcast in which John Raby explores somewhere in time. Love, loss, memory, nostalgia, Mackinac Island, and time travel. If you're a secret fan of the movie, which turns 40 this year, own a time machine shaped like a book, and still talk to your dead loved ones, maybe this is the podcast for you. Call back yesterday with John Raby. John urges you to support SGV Weekly with a generous donation like he did. Does your Instagram feed need more than just thirst traps and cheese pulls? Follow SGV Weekly for interview clips with everyday people and pictures of the rowdiest cars in the 626. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play. Rate and review the show to help us get it out there and make a better program for the San Gabriel Valley. Visit sgvweekly.com for expanded content from each episode and a link to our Patreon. Give if you can and support citizen journalism. Thanks. We're back to SGV Weekly with Chris Greenspawn. Before we get started, I want to note that I did reach out to Bruce Mejia with the following questions about the fallout after the explosion. One, do you believe Keep El Monte Friendly deserves to be threatened after speaking out against the bombing? And two, what do you think of the comparisons of the First Works building to El Monte's Nazi house in the 70s, or of yourself to the city's Ku Klux Klansmen in the 20s? Mejia did not respond by publishing time. Keep El Monte Friendly came together as a small group of LGBTQ activists at the start of the year. The original member, Rue, learned there was a hate group on Tyler between Garvey and Klingerman, First Works Baptist Church. Rue posted a petition and flyer denouncing the church's leader, Delphine Bruce Mejia, and others soon backed them up. Keep El Monte Friendly had a lot of steam as a cause until three Saturdays ago when a homemade bomb went off inside the church at 1 a.m. They condemned the attack, but since then, members of the group have been accused of planting explosives by the church's sympathizers. They told the LA Times they've received hundreds of threats. At this point, members of Keep El Monte Friendly have been quoted in numerous newspapers and featured in sound bites on TV, but it hasn't given much of a feeling for who they actually are. So SGV Weekly arranged a meeting with two of the group's members to talk about why they undertook this cause and how it's affected them. My name is Abby Capiendo, and my pronouns are she, her. And I'm B, almost the second, and my pronouns are he, him, but it's not super important to me. So could you tell me what your experience being queer in El Monte and the SGV was like prior to dealing with First Works? So <laughs> I'm, I'm, not, I'm not queer. I'm just, you know, a cis straight woman, but... I have friends and family who are queer, who grew up or were around the SGV. And when I was with them, you know, we would always like have fun. We never really ran into any problems with people. And I just always have good memories of being in Amani and the San Gabriel Valley. Yeah, same here. Um, as a queer person, I've never like 
experienced anything crazy in Almani like that. It's just always, I, I don't have any bad experiences concerning my queerness that relate to Almani. All right. So can you tell me about your personal experiences from the protest? There was only the one, right? Yes, it was the car caravan on January 17th. I personally had a really good time. Some of my family members came and we we got like, I think two or three cars together and we, we met up at the park and it was just like so positive, so much loving and accepting energy. And I felt really good. Like I almost wanted to cry because we started this group, of course, to spread awareness, but I didn't know how big and how many people we were gonna reach. And it was just really good to see, you know, people we are around like every day believe in what we believe in and have the same feelings as we have. Yeah, I think in relation to like not having any negative experiences concerning queerness in Almani, I before like the protest, I didn't necessarily have any like positive experiences. So the protest really stood out because it was just crazy seeing how much support for queer people there are in Almani because like that's not clear just from being in the city. So yeah, just seeing all that support and everyone who came out was very touching. My mom cried a lot. (laughs) So what was your reaction to the explosion? I was honestly really surprised. I didn't find out about it until maybe like 5.30 in the morning. My mom had actually woken me up and a friend had texted her. (laughs) At first (laughs) I didn't believe her. I, I thought she was lying, but... I I was just scared. I was just hoping that nobody got hurt, to be honest. Yeah, I was getting ready to go to bed. It was like one or two in the morning and I was getting ready to finally go to bed. And um, Abel called me and was like, the church got bombed. And I was like, this isn't real. There's no way. Um, I don't know. It, It was just really shocking and disappointing, but also like, I understand that people can be angry and they act out, but it just, it obviously, you know, did more damage to our cause. But I, I, not that I condone it at all, but I understand that people can get frustrated and angry. But yeah, it definitely hurt our voice. Damn, that was my next question. Uh. (laughs) If I could just add something, uh, a lot of people were were excited for the protest that was going to happen that Sunday. And that's also why it was kind of a little disappointing because we had plans to have like a really good time and just connect with everybody and and share the love. And because of what happened, we couldn't really do that, which kind of sucked. So are there any future plans for Keep Monte Friendly related to or unrelated to First Works Baptist Church? Yeah, um, we we do plan to keep uh, what we have going. Of course, we want like a, a resolution with First Works. But after that, uh, we want to focus on just making the community better, providing any helpful information we can, you know, like connecting with uh, like food drives or like community clinics. We just want to help make our community better, I guess. Yeah, and also just like, I feel that um, distance kind of creates fear and visibility creates kind of comfortability. So we just want 
people who are queer in Almani to know that like it is a safe space and by doing that that like you know can branch out to their families and like their abuelas and you know like start that conversation of like that queerness is okay and it's it is here in Almani and like that's not a bad thing we hope that um hopefully sometime in the future that we can open a safe space Mm -hmm. yeah that's like the main thing we just want people to learn and know so that people in organizations like First Works Baptist don't have a hold on anyone. Abby Capiendo and B. Almost the second of Keep El Monte Friendly. One of the better news pieces I read was in the aftermath of the bombing. The former editor of OC Weekly and veteran reporter Gustavo Ariano wrote a column about it for the LA Times. He actually met with Keep El Monte Friendly, gave great context about the history of the city, and went above and beyond finding bigoted quotes from Bruce Mejia. Though to be honest, Mejia has a lot of shit on his YouTube. But the thing that impressed me the most was the headline. How long will hate have to go unanswered after explosion at rabidly anti-gay church? We have Ariano here for a few minutes to talk about that question, what the city could do about it, and why he said what he said. So what was the thesis of your recent Times piece on the First Works Baptist Church? Uh, There was a bombing, and that's news. Whenever a church is bombed, uh, you got to go out and report it. And as a columnist, I was interested in how there was... There's not positive movement. At least there, there, people are starting to protest it, and now their protests were not going to be able to be done for a long time because it would just seem to be done in bad taste. After all, the, the, despite what you may think about what the First Works uh, people were preaching against, not just LGBT folks, but other people, they got bombed. Uh, you know, that, that's an attack. You cannot, like, some people will cheer on attack, but uh, the folks from Keep Money Friendly obviously did not want to do that and haven't done that. So at the same time, I always like to put things in context. So th- th- this pastor can't just get off lightly either. He's not just a victim. He's also someone who's spewing really nasty stuff, but he's not, uh, this isn't the first rodeo for El Monte when it comes to haters. What do you think the city could do about this? I don't know if the city can do anything about it because even though what uh, Delphin, Delphin Bruce Mejia is advocating for is really nasty, the city has no real say in it. They, they could try to kick him out, but I'm sure Mejia would uh, take him to court and probably win. Because also, let's not forget, it, this is a church. And churches are even more protected in what they have to say than, say, somebody, you know, someone on the street. They could say homosexuals should go into the fires of hell and uh, the opponents will say he's inciting a riot. And the uh, person who's saying it is like, no, that says in the Bible, you know, a millstone around their neck or whatnot. So the city and, and you know, and it's not what the, it's not what the activists want to hear coming from the city. But that's how it is. I mean, if you could go to extreme motions and say the city goes to the landlord because the church doesn't own the building. The city goes to the landlord and say, hey, look, we'll give you all this money if you break the lease and say you or we buy the building from you. But 
I don't know. I, I, I don't think that's something that the city, any municipality wants. Uh, it's a road that they want to go down. Although, again, of course, there is precedent with El Monte and, and a house uh, by not, that, that was occupied by Nazis in the 1970s off Peck Road. So it's interesting. It, it really depends on how serious the problem gets, how adamant the opponents are, and how strident the, uh, the First Works Baptist Church is. Okay, so should he be judged for what he's doing? Absolutely. He's calling, he's using nasty terms against LGBT folks. He <laughs> he rips up a flag like if that's some sort of like macho posturing. So that's just weak salsa. And, you know, you read the quote, you know, it's not even a quote. There's a, there's a, um, the YouTube video of his speech talking about how he's not advocating for Christians to kill LGBT folks. And I, he did not use a term LGBT folks, but he sure wouldn't mind if the government executes them. So how can you not judge? And not only how can you not judge, how can you just say, well, you know, it's your First Amendment right. Yeah, it is your First Amendment right to say that, but it's also my First Amendment right to call you an idiot. You're a columnist. For the uninitiated, what's your role in covering a story like this? A columnist is able to give their opinion on whatever they cover. So some columnists, they'll just do straightforward opinion pieces. My sort of column, I like to imagine myself where I go report a story. And sometimes if I feel like I want to weigh in, I will weigh in. Sometimes I don't. It all depends on what the story is. And and it's, and specifically for me, I'm a Metro columnist. So a Metro columnist, they try to give a sense of the pulse of what's going on in Southern California right now. Like that El Monte church bombing, that was the story for a couple of days. And especially El Monte was huge, but I just try to find great stories, period. And again, if I think I have to give my opinion, if I feel like I do, then I will, but I don't have to all the time. In this case, if you read the story, I don't give too much. I mean, I do give my opinion, but it's not as opinionated as say other things. I was more interested in placing the bombing and also placing the protesters in the context of the history of Omani. Gustavo Ariano is a columnist for the Los Angeles Times and the former editor of OC Weekly. Speaking of El Monte's racist past, our next guest wrote the chapter about the Ku Klux Klan in the book East of East. My name's Dan fucking Katie. I am a professor at Fresno State in the Department of History. I write on and study white nationalism, Christian nationalism, and the history of American hate groups. I made him do that. Katie's chapter was quoted in an L.A. Taco article about El Monte's history of hate groups by Miriam Gerba. Gerba's piece raised another interesting question. Can the preaching of first works in the KKK be called unchristian? And for that matter, are the two groups somehow related? Something to keep in mind as you listen, Mejia is not from El Monte. First Works Baptist Church came here to spread the word of the New Independent Fundamental Baptists, or New IFB. Essentially, they're a conservative Christian movement several times removed from their roots. There's one big player in the Baptist world, uh, and those are the Southern Baptists. And the Southern Baptists account for the majority of them even still. And they themselves were founded on the notion of white nationalism. That was a core principle, core belief. They didn't fully ever address it. And much of the language in the structure of the Southern Baptists is still pretty racist. Now, when you have other Baptist churches they're practically non-denominational. They may have sister churches somewhere, but 
they only loosely adhere to a measure of, of principles that are essentially theological about what it means to be a Baptist. Do these kinds of fundamental Baptist church movements have anything in common with the Klansmen that once lived in El Monte? Uh, uh, if there were peapods, <laughs> they would definitely be next door neighbors. They would, they would be in the womb together. Um, not as much for the Nazis that were in El Monte, but most definitely the Klan in the 1920s. That was Klan identity. The Klan was in a lot of ways connected almost an arm of the Southern Baptists and Southern Methodist churches because the Klan sent people out across the country to lecture. And what they tended to do is they worked through the network of churches because the lectures for the Klan, most of them were preachers themselves. And their rationalization, or at least their, their explanation for their behaviors is, and their membership is, we are a Christian patriotic organization. What's wrong with that? Don't you love Jesus in America? So is fundamental baptism and Bruce Mejia's preaching in as much as you're familiar with it inherently white supremacist? It's really, it's, it has shifted. And this is only recently. It has shifted. Yes, in its past, it is absolutely connected to white nationalism, Christian nationalism. They are one in the same thing. What we're finding, though, is a move of particularly second-generation Latinos and beyond joining these churches, not in huge numbers, but in larger numbers. It replicates what's going on, in, particularly in Central America, with the Pentecostals. But that has moved, and the idea of race has been put on the back burner and homosexuality, LGBTQ issues are now to them the real threat. Can people make the claim that this isn't real Christianity? <laughs> no. So real Christianity has always been fluid because it's being reinvented all the time. And there's something that people don't talk about in American Christianity that makes it a little more bizarre that one could ask, does the legitimate real thing actually still even exist? Because American Christianity, due to its structure and due to not having a, an official church, those people who got paid by the Church of England, they didn't have that opportunity and that option in America and under the United States. So in American Christianity, you've always have preachers who had to go out and get paid. So they constantly had to battle between what they thought people needed to hear and what they thought people wanted to hear. It's about popular culture. It's about gaining an audience. It is entertainment and it's political entertainment as well as religious entertainment. In fact, it's more political entertainment than it is religious entertainment because people, when they leave church at 18, which a lot of people do, and they're like, you know, fuck you, mom, I'm not going to church anymore. I'm my own person. And then they take their 10-year hiatus. When they come back, they don't necessarily go back to mom's church. They go back to the church that is closest to their political leanings at that moment. So it has nothing to do with theology and has everything to do with their political community. Which one do you like most? Dan Cady is a history professor at Fresno State, researching white nationalism, Christian nationalism, and American hate groups.
And so it's kind of a David and Goliath story. First Works Baptist Church is protected by the Constitution, the city, the police, and various sympathizers with fake Instagram accounts who threaten people. For Keep El Monte Friendly to beat them, they need the community to have their back. Thanks again to all of our guests, not just for coming on the show, but for standing up for what's right. I'm Chris Greenspawn. This is SGV Weekly.